Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity, your partner for life. Integrity recently launched an exclusive research paper to help advisors understand how to attract and retain new clients. They believe their role in the industry is bigger than just providing products. They want to help create a sustainable industry, educate clients, and support advisors personally in their business. You can get a copy of the report and learn more about Integrity if you visit integritylife.com.au forward slash xy. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. It's Fraser Jack here, and I am talking all things today around um, not just marketing, but chunking that down into specifically LinkedIn marketing. Marketing, and I am joined from the other side of the world by Paul Thompson. Welcome. Hi, Fraser. Good to see you. Now, thank you for uh, for joining me uh, on this on this call. Uh, tell us where you're coming from. Dublin, Ireland is where I, I'm based. Yeah, other side of the world. Yeah. Other side of the world, different time zone, different, uh, different. Uh, uh, what, what are you coming into? Spring now, I suppose. Yeah, we're coming into spring. Yeah, it's uh, ten a.m. my time at the moment. You know, you're, you guys are in the evening. You know, so yeah. Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. Now, uh, tell us, do you give us, give us a quick overview of your business if you can. Sure. So um, we run a digital marketing agency that works exclusively with advisors, planners, and wealth managers. And our channel that we use uh, is LinkedIn. So we help uh, advisors to build, launch, and scale their own targeted LinkedIn lead generation campaign, essentially. Fantastic. So the new way of attracting leads and, and growing and scaling your business. So exactly what I want to talk about. Uh, tell us, how did you get into this? Tell us your story. Well, um and my people always ask me, are you a financial advisor? And my answer is always like, no, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, my background is actually in marketing and sales. I, I used to actually run a direct sales business in Australia, of all places, for uh, for, for many years early in my career. Uh, uh, we used to do a lot of, at that time, face-to-face marketing, you know, so it wasn't really online and social media at that stage. So when obviously the online and, and social media side of things kind of hit, uh, which was probably around 08, 09, I, I kind of really started to embrace that. And so moved our kind of marketing and sales skills from the offline world to the to more the, the online world. So I've been involved in scaling a number of different uh, startups over the years, um, from, as I said, offline direct sales to online golf businesses, uh, and so on. So I've got a lot of experience in, in acquiring high value uh, clients within that. And launched a digital marketing business, then a, an agency in 2015. And we, we started working with a number of uh, a number of advisors. We, we weren't specifically looking for advisors, but we just started working with a number of advisors and realized pretty quickly that the financial advisory industry is, is a little bit, it's a bit mixed up, is how I would say it. And the reason why I said it is because advisors are so well qualified. They have so much training on, you know, how to give advice and, you know, obviously the regulation and everything else, so heavily qualified 
on that side, but very little input and training on marketing and lead generation or running a good advisory practice. I actually couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why an industry that produces so many people who end up self-employed that they don't get more support on the marketing and sales side of things. So that's how we ended up working with some advisors. We got some great results for them. And uh, I suppose things kind of kind of grew from there. Then we started working with some more advisors. And, you know, after a while, we, we leaned into it and uh, decided that we would we would go all in. So now we only work with advisors, planners and, and wealth managers. Fantastic. Now, if I wind the clock back a little bit, I'm, I'm thinking uh, that uh, obviously people used to um, do a bit more sales training when they were coming through and, and, and when they were more, more around the idea of product. And then we, we turned into a profession and everybody went, well, we can't do sales anymore. That's, uh, that's you know, not, not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and so they completely stopped. And you're right, that, that section dried up. And if I'm also thinking in the past, it used to be, uh, well, you ask for referrals and here is a rather cheesy way that you can ask for referrals or you develop a center of influence within a, with a, an, a partner, an accountant or a, or a mortgage broker or something. And they were the two ways, the only two ways that people grew their business, essentially. Well, well what's funny is that has not changed. There's still larger networks in the UK and the US and various other locations. And as a newer advisor coming in the door, they will still say to you, okay, so you need to go and talk to your friends and family. You would need to generate a certain amount of referrals. You may need to, in the US especially, do some cold calling. Uh, and that is still the basics. The, I, I call them 1980s tactics. I, I, I cannot understand why, why they haven't kind of progressed that and understood that there's better ways to reach people, that these days everybody has a mobile phone in their pocket you know, uh, that you could ex- access people through social media and, and so on. I don't understand why they haven't evolved. You know, they, they still teach the same kind of tired tactics. You know, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. It used to be the phone book. We don't have phone books anymore. We, we have social media. So uh, well, let's use it. Now, this is a really interesting thing because I think a lot of um, advisors and planners have certainly gone, okay, great. We need to do some stuff on social media and they dabble in this and they comment on that and they they do a post and then they forget about doing another post and then, oh, they've got to do another one. And, and so there's this real ad hoc uh, approach to social media. And there's probably also this comment that comes out, well, oh, look, I tried that. It didn't really work. And, uh, you know, uh, so I've done other things. Well, it's, it's, it tends to be sort of a feast and a famine, doesn't it, with any form of marketing for advisors. As, as you say, they, they do it for a month. You know, they, maybe they get some, some results. Maybe they get some clients in the door. They get busy doing the client work. They stop doing what, what got them the client work. So it, it kind of ebbs and flows up and down. There's no kind of consistency to it. Or as you say, they try it for a week or two. They don't see a huge amount of results and they assume that it then doesn't work and, uh, and move on about their, uh, about their business, which is, a, which is a real shame because they're making kind of a snap judgment on a particular channel without actually doing it properly in the first place. You know, it's, a, it's like if you were doing cold calling back in the day, you ring 10 people and somebody doesn't buy. It's like, okay, cold calling doesn't work. Well, you might need to ring a few more than yep. 10 people yep. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So let's, let's get uh, into this, the idea of the the marketing plan because I mean at the end of the day um, this sort of stuff should form part of an ongoing marketing plan and have a structure around it so that uh, it's consistent and it and it's regular or regular and consistent mean the same thing good on good one Fraser Um, but it's it's actually happening it's being implemented it's being posted and those things are going out and there's a there's a there's a structure around it there is a reason why things are being done there is a voice that is the same voice or the same message going to the exact client that you want to all these types of things so let's get into the idea of how a plan like that can work. And uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, let me give me a, give you sort of a few things that might help. Some of this is kind of how you think about it. As you say, 
you know, let's talk about strategy for a minute and then we can kind of talk about tactics if, yep. if, if that's the case. So for me, there's kind of three things as an advisory practice that you have to look at. So, so the first one of those is going to be reach, as in how are you going to reach the person that you actually want to, to influence? What's the channel you're going to use to reach them? And, and look, there's any number of channels out there, as, as people know. We talked about referrals and friends and family. That's just a way of, of reaching people. If we talk about social media, there's how many social media challenges is there? There's like no, six, seven, ten. I mean, so you've got everything from Instagram, Facebook, you know, uh, Twitter, Clubhouse is the new one that's come out recently, you know, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Now, I'm not recommending for a second that advisors start, start getting into TikTok, okay? But I'm just saying that those channels, uh, channels exist. We have tested this extensively. We used to run campaigns across pretty much all of those channels uh, looking to acquire high-value leads. And what we found was LinkedIn was head and shoulders better than all of those other channels in terms of the actual ROI of a campaign and the quality of the clients that came through. And what I always sort of say to people, Facebook is wonderful. There's squillions of people on Facebook. I think it's like 2 billion people in the world on Facebook, which is a colossal figure. But people go on Facebook for a different reason. They go on Facebook to chat with their friends. They go on Facebook to watch silly cat videos and look at baby pictures and that type of thing, which is fine. And, and that's, that's perfectly valid. But it means if you try to start some form of financial services related conversation with them or discuss their pension or something like that on Facebook, a lot of the time they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm watching cat videos. <laughs> you know, So it's just not the same mindset. They're not in the same kind of headspace, if you know what I mean. So what we found with LinkedIn was people are on there. What are they doing? They're, they're networking with prospects and clients. They are uh, reading business articles. They are recruiting and so on. So they just have a different hat on their head, so to speak. So um, therefore, they tend to be much more open to a financial services related conversation. And that's the key. So you're meeting people when they're in the right kind of headspace. Okay. And, and that, that really opens up uh, the conversation. So that's why, from our point of view, LinkedIn absolutely outperformed all the other channels by a factor of probably four or five to one, which is why we only do LinkedIn these days. And even if people said, please, can you do Facebook or Instagram or any of these other channels? My answer is no, sorry, we only do LinkedIn, uh, mainly because we, we know that it works. Yeah, that's really interesting. The same could be the same person, but a different hat or a different uh, frame of mind at the time. Completely, completely. So that's why I say reach is key. So you, you want to be able to reach people and put your message in front of them. But uh, but it, it, it's it's when they receive that message, are they open to to, to the conversation that you're, you're you're kind of kind of putting out there? So that's that's one uh, is reach. So two then is positioning, and this is something I talk about a huge amount. Most advisors, okay, who who either new advisors or, or even experienced advisors who are kind of reviewing their marketing tactics, that, that their overall marketing strategy tends to be if you have a pulse and some form of a financial need, I will deal with you. That's their marketing plan in one sentence. Okay. And people always laugh and think, no, 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 it's not as simple as that. I'm like, mm, sorry, but for 95% of advisors, it is as simple as that. They're not that picky in terms of asset size. They're not that picky in terms of industry or background or whether there's even a good fit with the client. They just kind of take the client on, which is 
fine, but you and I know there's no power in that. There's no leverage in that. And it tends to lead to you ending up with a book which is kind of disjointed, which possibly has a bunch of advisors or people in it that, that you don't necessarily have a good relationship with. It means you're probably going to have more attrition within your book in terms of retention. You might even be being profitable on the people that you're bringing into the book as well. So there's, there's not a lot of win in, in that, okay? So, Go on, yeah. yeah, yeah, and when I and when I hear that, sometimes people say to me, "Yeah, but I've got this ideal client over here, and I, and I do these other things." And I I turn around and say to them, "Well, if I look at your website and look at your marketing and read a few of your articles, can I could I tell that?" Well, right, and, and that that's what I mean by positioning. So there's something that we talk to people about is how clear is your message that you put out to the market? And most of the time, it is fairly muddled, I think is is the word. And what I mean by that is if you go on the LinkedIn profile, it'll say one thing. If you go to the website, it'll say another. If there's a bit of content or you know a message going out, again, it'll say a third thing. And you know what maybe people need to understand about marketing is if you confuse people or give them mixed messages, they won't take any action. As in, they're just like, hmm, this doesn't seem to all add up. I'll just leave it alone, basically. Even if, you know, you're a good fit for them. But if your messaging is a little bit muddled, a little bit confused, they won't take any action. So what you ideally need to do from a positioning point of view is to actually focus it up. So start to be clear about who your target audience is is i often get a lot of pushback from advisors on this they often say but everybody is my is my target client and i'm always like no they're not (laughs) even if you think they are they definitely aren't okay so even as a newer advisor or someone who's trying to look at their 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 marketing plan you've got to be clearer about who your target audience is what do i mean by that i mean um you could be going after business owners within 40 miles of your location you could be going after uh, doctors and consultants you know uh, in new south wales for example in in, in australia you could be uh, specializing in dealing with lawyers you could be dealing with senior pharmaceutical executives so the actual segment that you're going after isn't that important what's important is that you're clear about who those people are and that you start to make your messaging speak to them and their problems. Okay. And, and people always say, but how could I, how can I do that? Well, look at your current book, you know, who, who have you worked with before? You know, what, where have you had some, uh, some good success? Like where are the kind of clusters? If you've got a, a hundred current clients, where are the clusters of 20 or 30 clients that you've had great success with that you like dealing with that are quite profitable clients for you and lean into that. Okay, rather than ebbing and flowing with the tide. Yeah. Something I see a lot, for example, is, is advisors who say got an accountant or someone who refers them business. And listen, that, that can be great and a great source of clients. But the problem is accountants deal with all sorts of different types of businesses and all sorts of different types of people. So when they refer someone to you, it could be, you know, it may be an asset size that makes sense for you or not. It may be an industry that you want to work with or not. But sometimes you feel obligated to accept that client and deal with that client to maintain the relationship with the uh, with the accountant. But that means your book kind of gets built in all kind of different directions. You know, you don't have a lot of control over it. And again, that's going to lead to attrition and a bit of frustration. I don't know whether you've seen that yourself, Razor, but that seems to come up a lot. That is absolutely what I've seen. You know, the uh, the the relationships around looking after, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt those relationships. So you just go out of the way to, to look after those clients and you're right, they could be the wrong fit for your business. So I resonate with the the whole idea around positioning your what, what you're doing for the right people. Well, the first thing is yeah, choose a particular 
niche to go after. And the, the, the pushback that I normally get from advisors, but if I, if I choose that, aren't I limiting myself? Aren't I going to lose other potential clients because I'm focusing on this area? And the answer is, yeah, you probably will, but that's, that's part of the point. So you're going to exclude a certain amount of people, but you're going to include and really start to resonate properly with a segment of the market. And that's what you want. I call it the, be the big fish in the small pond. Okay, so, so rather than just being another small fish, because there's thousands and thousands of advisors out there, as you know, okay, so be the big fish in the small pond, be clear. And I'll give you an example. So we worked with a, a female advisor on the south coast uh, in, of the UK, and she specialized in working uh, with divorcee women. Okay, now she was a divorcee woman herself, so she understood the problems and challenges, and she would literally turn men away at the door, but the divorcee women, they loved her. They loved her because she understood them. They referred all of their divorcee women friends to her as well. So her, her old practice was thriving based off these divorcee women. But think about her message to the market. It was so simple. If you're a divorcee woman and you're based within 40 or 50 miles of my location, you know, I'm your advisor. That's it. That's her message. And what's great about that is it's clear. You're either in that kind of segment or you're not. And it's the clarity of the message which really drove the growth of our business. Now, I'm not saying you should focus on divorcee women. That's not my, not my point here. Okay, But I'm trying to show you that clarity of message to the market really makes a massive difference. Because then you could put that message on your LinkedIn profile, in any content that you have, in any follow-up messaging, and, and people start to see that consistency. That's what drives conversion. Yeah, I think it's really easy to 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 be able to speak to that audience as well, to or any audience that you, is that specific, because you can you can narrow down the the, the behaviours and problems and issues and and fears and and threats and ideas that are just for that target market. Right. Well, let me let me give you an example of the LinkedIn profile. So your average advisor, you know, they, they have a LinkedIn profile and they've probably written it a little bit like a CV or a resume because that's what people do. You know, I worked here 10 years ago and I worked there five years ago and I, you know, th these are my core competencies, for example, which is fine if you're trying to get a job. If you're actually trying to attract clients, they don't really care what you were doing 10 or 20 years ago or what your core competencies are. But if you can turn it around and make your profile more about their problems and challenges, in other words, make it about them and less about you, that works so much better. Okay, so, so if I can give anybody any piece of advice, make your LinkedIn profile about their problems and challenges. If you do have messaging or content that you're putting out, again, make it focus on the problems and challenges of the person you're speaking to because they don't, they don't really care about you or the solutions you can bring to the table. All they really care about is, do you understand me? Yep. And if you can show them that, you, you essentially earn the right to be able to talk about your solutions or, or, or your products or whatever else you're bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, I'm going to test you on this. I'm going to look at your LinkedIn page here. Uh, Paul Thompson, uh, advisoraccelerator.com. First thing you've got is your, you know, how people can find you. Uh, a, a dash then, uh, helping financial advisors attract more clients using online marketing. Yeah, I guess that pretty much sums it up what you do. Right. Well, well I mean, let me give you a kind of a, a headline formula. So, so what I've got there, like on your LinkedIn profile, people see three things. Like if you connect with them or, or comment or do anything on LinkedIn, they see your photo, they see your name, and they see whatever's written under your name. And most people will write, you know, bank manager, financial advisor, you know, whatever, you know, their job title in there. Nobody cares about your job title or the name of your company, for example, mostly. They care whether you understand them. So the formula that you can use, which might help some people, and we would use this a lot within our business, is I help X with Y using Z. Now, let me explain that. So X is who 
you help. Y is like a primary benefit that you bring to the table, and Z is how you go about it. Okay, so for an advisor, for example, it could be I help doctors in New South Wales to maximize their retirement using simple financial plan. So it's simple, it's succinct, but it speaks to the problems and challenges. It kind of calls out your audience a little bit. And remember, with a LinkedIn profile, you got about three to six seconds to get somebody's attention. Yeah, that's exactly. They are gone. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say because the because there's such a short space, usually a short space of time that people get to see it or read it. That uh, you really want that the one thing to resonate with them. Well, something has to resonate with them because otherwise they're gone. And if it does resonate with them, then they'll pay a bit more attention. They'll read your profile. They'll see that you understand the problems and challenges. They'll realize that you've got content that relates to them as well. Then you're starting to kind of really properly engage with them. And they're starting to, to let their defenses down and starting to realize that you're an expert. And that's really what you're trying to do with the positioning piece is show someone that you're an expert. And the mistake I see particularly with experienced advisors, 20 years experience, 30 years experience, they assume that everybody knows that they're an expert, whereas your average punter on the street does not know what CFP means. They don't know what that means. So therefore, you have to show them that you're an expert and you understand them and you and you know what you're talking about. And if you can do that through your content and your profile, it means by the time you actually get on the phone to talk to somebody, they're much more informed. You know, so it's, it's not a cold call. It's a much warmer conversation because the starting point, they already know quite a lot about you and, and your approach and so on, and they quite like it. Yeah, fantastic. So we've been to the um, the, the reach and the positioning. What was, what's the third thing on the list? Third thing is you got to have a system. You've got to have a process to tie around this. As we said earlier, you know, the, the kind of the feast and famine, the do it for a couple of weeks and then forget about it for six months, that just doesn't work. There has to be kind of a, a process whereby each day you might give it 15 or 20 minutes of your day in order to uh, put your message in front of the right audience, you know, maybe tweak things, maybe look at your content and so on. So you get that kind of consistency because what makes a good marketing plan work is that you're putting your message in front of the right people you know, every day, which generates warm conversations. Obviously, as an advisor, the more warm conversations you can have with people who are in your target audience, the more revenue you're going to get. It's as simple as that. So so as an advisor, if you could prioritize those warm conversations, that's going to then obviously lead into your own kind of onboarding uh, process. And that's, I suppose, what LinkedIn allows you to do is, is to drill down to the audience, put your message in front of them, you know, position yourself well, and then look to, to get them onto a, onto a warm uh, call where, you can, where your main onboarding process can take over. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, when it comes to systems and processes, uh, a lot of the time we look at things like automation or outside sourcing or you know like we we class sometimes that if we're going to do something consistently and regularly that we find a process for it and 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 not be the one that's physically doing that stuff how, how do you work with that and with regards to how much time the actual advisor needs to spend uh, yeah, responding I mean, and, and 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 going through it understanding what's there a lot of it kind of depends on how the advisor's business is structured so if they're a single advisor and it's just them and they don't have a huge amount of admin support uh, they're going to probably be earlier stage in growing their business, maybe not have as many clients and have a little bit more time on their hands. So they might be a little bit cash poor, but time rich, so to speak. So if that's the case, they should do a lot of it themselves and manage it and really understand it. And as their kind of business grows and their revenue starts to grow, they may hand off some of the more basic tasks to maybe a virtual assistant or an admin to kind of help them with it. If they're a slightly bigger practice, maybe they've got four or five advisors or 10 advisors or, you know, 15 advisors in the practice, they probably have, you know, senior admin main staff or operations people or even marketing people within the practice that can possibly do some of the 
quarterbacking, as I call it, of the campaign. And then the advisor just focuses on doing the high value calls, which is a, a good use of their time. So if you can outsource it, by all means, outsource it. We do recommend and train people on, you know, bringing like an admin type of person in to assist with some of the kind of the back and forward, maybe the scheduling of the calls and, and that type of thing. So the advisor can focus on, as I said, the high value conversation. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the um, the value is in the context of the conversation, and often that's really hard to outsource. You know, the uh, the context of what happens in a uh, the real benefits of financial planning, or the the real things that happen um, in conversations, where it's, it's really hard to outsource, especially if you're outsourcing to you know overseas or or offshoring. Uh, do you, so you teach that how to train people in that? That's a good question. I mean, look, if the question's coming through, are financial by their nature obviously you know due to compliance and various other things it needs to be somebody who's actually qualified who needs to respond properly to that but generally if someone's going like listen i've got these four pensions you know how do i sort of combine them you know like you know a more sort of you know financial specific related conversation my answer to that is like no problems let's jump on a call let's have a chat about it and take it from there you know that's not a conversation you're going to have over over messaging if, if you know what i mean if, if it's kind mm. of getting to that that's what i would say and obviously because of compliance we have to be sort of uh, careful about that too yeah, fantastic. Okay, so um, so t- tell us about uh, the business itself. Um, you run an accelerator, obviously based on the website name, <laughs> advisoraccelerator.com. dot uh, But look, tell us about um, you know you've you've transitioned to, for that over a period of time. You used to do a lot of work and just take the take the load and do it for planners. Well. We originally started just running a, a straight up digital marketing agency where we were, you know, we were, we were working in, in different industries. We, we started to get some great results from working with with financial advisors. We we realized obviously that there was a huge need in terms of lead lead generation and marketing in the advisory industry. So so we 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 leaned into that, you know, got great results and and sort of developed from there. So now we only deal with advisors, planners, and wealth managers. We do it all over the world. We're physically based in Ireland. We're a team of five, but we work obviously in, in UK and Europe, Middle East, South Africa, US, and Canada. Australia and so on. So we're very familiar with what it means to be a regulated business. We're very familiar with what it means to be, to keep, uh, say, the compliance department happy, you know, or in Europe to keep on the correct side of GDPR, you know. So it is a regulated industry. We have to play by the rules, you know. So uh, we, we, we get that. But we also get what a high value prospect actually looks like. So a lot of what I would call generalist marketers they come into financial service and say yeah we're going to drive tons of leads and most of them are crap (laughs) and you can't convert and uh you know have no value whereas we actually get what a high value prospect looks like we understand the importance of things like asset size and uh, and so on so that's that's kind of important the actual subtlety of understanding uh the industry itself yeah so i I feel like i feel like linkedin gives a lot of that away in in the in the yeah, well, prospect like that as in did right? they have a good job of they you know been there a long time all those sorts of things well partly but that's that's the glory of it though isn't it isn't it? linkedin has an enormous amount of data that facebook and the other channels just don't have like facebook will tell you when somebody got married or when they got engaged or how many children they've got potentially but linkedin will tell you that they've been running their business for the last 10 years they've got 20 staff you know and before that they ran another business so you know as an advisor what is it that you want to know? You, you know, you want to know, you know, how long someone's been been doing that. If they've been thirty years in a multinational and they've been throwing a bunch of money into their pension, you know. So you, you, these are the things that you want to know, and that's the data that LinkedIn has, and that's the real power in that uh, as an advisor. And obviously, these days with AI and your ability to really mine and use data, there's there's a lot of power in that. It yeah, really is. absolutely, absolutely, and just getting bigger and bigger. I guess with the information they've got, right? But you have to harness it in the right way. 
I see lots of people use LinkedIn badly. I'm sure you, you, you do as well. And what I mean by that is that, you know, they connect with you and the next thing they say is, please buy my stuff, please buy my stuff. Yay, please buy, 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 buy. And look, in financial services, that really doesn't work because it's not an impulse purchase, as, as you well know. And it's mm. much more about building relationship. You need to add value. You need to you know, position yourself as the expert and essentially allow people to kind of put up their hand. If, if you don't kind of do that, if you're kind of up in their faces, they're going to they're gonna run away from you, particularly if they have good quality asset size. You know, yeah, so. and exactly the same with financial advice. Treat, treating these uh, prospects like the way that you want to be treated because you're in the same boat. Well, right. It, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Anyway, sorry, you, you asked me kind of how it came about. So, yeah, we, we started working exclusively with advisors, planners and wealth managers, but it used to be uh, that they would outsource it to us and we would run the campaigns for them, essentially. And, and that worked very, very well. Um, and we really enjoyed it. But we had a number of our clients come to us and say, listen, we love the outsourcing process and what you're doing and the results that you're getting. But is there any way that you could train our sort of internal admin ops or marketing person you know how to run these campaigns internally for us or i have a new advisor starting in my practice would you be able to train them on how to do it themselves so they can actually you know crack on and and do it essentially so in other words we used to give people fish and we kind of turned it around and launched the advisor accelerator course because it was more about then giving people a fishing rod and training them how to use it and what pool to, to fish in essentially Okay, so that's where where it came about. So six-week online course called the Advisor Accelerator is designed for people to be able to build, launch, and scale their own targeted LinkedIn lead generation campaigns. So it gives them all the tools and the best practice and the templates and everything required to be able to actually, one, get the campaign up and running, two, to optimize it and kind of dial it in. That's really the key. It's not just actually about running a campaign. It's about a campaign that actually resonates with your target audience. Because if you can get a campaign resonating with your audience, that campaign will deliver for you month in and month out. And that, that's kind of what it really, really comes down to. And yes, LinkedIn is the channel, obviously, that, that we use. Why? Because it works for financial advisors. It's as simple as that. Yeah, fantastic. So you, you basically built, launched the um, accelerator, and then that allowed you to scale your business, I guess. Well, what it allowed us to do is it allowed us to be able to work with a larger volume of advisors. Because obviously with, with done, done For You, the limitation is our own team size. We can only physically deal with so many clients. Whereas with the with the Advisor Accelerator course, um, we have the capacity as a team to be able to deal with deal with a lot more um a lot more clients. And you know, obviously globally, then there's less problems in terms of time zones and so on as well, which is why obviously we work kind of four four corners of the world at this stage. You know, uh, location to me doesn't really matter. You know, as long as LinkedIn is is working well in the country, there's no problem. So Russia, LinkedIn doesn't work very well in Russia, but apart from that, uh, it, it, it it's pretty good around the world. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, um, so th- this is really interesting. So it's not just a uh, do it yourself course, though. It's uh, you're there as in, to provide the support network as people are going through. Well, part of it is you're leveraging our experience. We've run a lot of these campaigns, and specifically for advisors and planners, we, we know that the, the the pitfalls you're gonna you're gonna come across. We know what kind of niches and specialisms work well and and resonate well uh, with an audience. So yes, we give you all the tools and, and the training to get it up and running, but we also give you the support. So we have, for example, a, a Facebook group, and all the advisors are part of it. Jump into the Facebook group, and we do weekly uh, live Q and A calls. So again, anybody can jump on and, and get a specific response from 
from me and the team in relation to so how's this working or what about that or what's happening you know with my profile here or how to deal with a particular you know response that they've that they've received you know but after a while you get quite good at it you get quite quite used to you know how people are responding and uh, and what and what's happening and, and you know when it's kind of dialed in it's resonating because people start to tell you they're like wow i read your article that was brilliant it really it really made sense to me that's when you know you know you're resonating well with your article whereas if someone sort of goes yeah you know it means you know it, it's not it's just not connecting with them in the right kind of way and let me just address that for a second there's a lot of very bland and very poor content in the financial services industry globally Okay, a lot of the networks, uh, and this is not to kind of spit on the networks, but a lot of the networks, the bigger networks, they produce relatively bland, sanitized content, and they they get their advisors all over the world to kind of spew it out through social media. And let's be honest, most people ignore that because it's kind of bland. It doesn't really resonate. It, it kind of says everything and nothing at the same time, if if you know what I mean. So we're not we're not really a fan of that kind of content just because people don't care about it. They just ignore it, basically. Whereas if you can have one or two or three good quality articles or videos or whatever your chosen medium is that actually connect with someone that actually talk to the problems and challenges of your audience rather than talking at them, which is what most of the uh, the content in financial services does. Yep. Now, I, I, I want to ask you about the different types of content in a second, but, um, but before we do, I wanted to talk about the um, the algorithms within LinkedIn, because whenever we think about uh, online marketing, and, and of course you'd know this from all the many years of online marketing, you're often fighting against or competing or trying to work out how al- algorithms are going to judge the content and whether they're going to show it or not, whether the, or all those types of things. So obviously, you know, people on Facebook are working really hard to keep up with the Facebook algorithms and, and the Google algorithms to get you on the top page. Tell us about the LinkedIn algorithms. Is it difficult? Is it hard? Is it often changing? It's a good question. Well, just to kind of clarify on that, our process is not based on producing and putting out a lot of content and sort of, you know, riding the algorithm wave. That's not the process at all. In fact, it's the opposite. So our process is actually more about using LinkedIn's internal organic system, so their internal connection system, an internal messaging system to put your message in front of the right audience. So it's not about putting up a, a post and then it, it getting shared and liked far and wide, not at all. It's about connecting with the right people and then putting good quality content in front of them using the messaging system, if you know what I mean. So it's not, not, not dependent on it going viral or anything of that kind of nature. So I always kind of say marketing is really easy. You put the right message in front of the right person at the right time, and that drives conversion. It's very simple when you kind of look at it that way. But that assumes, one, that you're clear about who the right person is, and two, that you have a way to put your message in front of them. So that's LinkedIn is just a channel to put your message in front of them. You need to think about their problems and challenges and put together a good piece of content that actually resonates with them. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And the messaging system itself has had some changes, hasn't it, over the last sort of 12 months or so? It's, it's, it, used to be, it used to be easy for spammers to get in there and throw stuff around and, and LinkedIn have tried to tighten that up a bit? Yeah, as I said to you earlier, there's lots of people who do LinkedIn badly. You know, they connect with people, they they spam, they throw a ridiculously wide net and just hope something uh, connects. Whereas when you can actually do it properly and you actually put the right message in front of the right person, they actually appreciate the fact that you're giving them that content. They appreciate the fact that you've 
connected with them. They're like, oh, this is this is great. And it's the, it's the same. You know, I, I'm on a number of different sort of email lists, for example. There's people who, who send a, a reasonable of emails, and that's fine. And to be honest with you, there's some of them that I look forward to getting the email because I know it's going to be good quality content, and it, I, I'm going to it's going to add value to me, and I, I'm perfectly happy with that. So people have no problem consuming content when it's relevant to them. And it makes sense. It's when you kind of scatter gun and you give them bland, random stuff that they don't want, you know, or you try to sell, sell, sell. People just don't like that. Yeah. Now you mentioned video and, uh, you know, articles as in, you know, blogs and written articles. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of podcasts. Uh, t- tell us about uh, the different uh, ways that advisors can talk to their audience and what, which ways you see best or is it just best for the whatever the advisors choose or, or, or prefer to do? Sometimes it comes down to the advisor themselves, to be honest with you. The simplest way to start with any form of content is an article. Okay, Most people can put together, you know, 500 words, for example, in, in relation to a, a particular topic. And, and you want to make it relevant to your audience. You know, like, so let's go back to the example we were talking about earlier, you know, say doctors in New South Wales. So let's say you were, you were trying to communicate with that particular audience. If you put together an article like four ways that doctors in New South Wales can, uh, you know, maximize their retirement, for example. That is a relatively straightforward article. Most advisors could probably put that together. But remember to write it from their point of view. Talk to their problems and challenges. What are the questions that these guys tend to ask you when you're on your first call or first meeting with them? What are the things that they're they're, they're already kind of rattling around in the back of their head? And write the article talking to those kind of problems and challenges. Okay, so not about solutions, not about products that you bring to the table, none of that. It's all about them and their problems and challenges. Because once you do that, you essentially earn the right to then be able to talk a bit more about the solutions and so on. And remember, people don't care about you, they care about them. So if you can kind of orientate your content towards that, then that works. And so the same principle applies if you decide to do video rather than article. And I love video as a, as a medium. We do a lot of video ourselves. Uh, you've probably seen some of our some of our videos on our YouTube channel. We, we do, I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's a, a great way to communicate. And what I've seen from a video point of view, 95% of advisors just won't do video because they're not comfortable being on camera or uh, they're not comfortable with how the implications from the compliance department and so on. But the 5% that do do it get amazing results because straight away they stand out in the marketplace. Straight away, people can start to relate to them. It's a great way of positioning themselves uh, as an expert. So we had, we had an advisor uh, mid last year who he wanted to get into video and I, and I gave him some tips and some ideas to, to kind of help him with it. And, and he went and he, and he shot his first one or two videos. Now being honest with you, his first few videos were, you know, were basic. Let's just put it that way. They, they were basic. He was trying his best, but they were basic. But again, we, he kept working at it and I gave him a little bit of feedback and then he got better and, you know, he, he improved a little bit. And what then started to happen is people started to really like his videos. He was sending his videos to current clients. So he was retaining and getting more excitement. They were sharing his videos with their friends and family, which obviously he wanted. Um, and he was obviously putting it out for prospects as well. And, and then I had a conversation with, with him about a, a month ago and he was like, Paul, I'm really happy I got into video. Why? Because about a month ago, uh, someone called me up and said, listen, I've watched some of your videos and I'm ready to engage you. That was it. There was no there was no other conversation. It was just like, I understand what you're about. I get your problems and challenges. I, I like how you come across a video and I'm ready to engage your services. Anyway, that was it. And only because he put in the effort to actually go out and produce good quality content in a video format, which resonated with his audience. 
Brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that story. It's um, it's amazing, isn't it? The first time you do anything, you're not exactly the, an expert at it. Uh, but once you've done it a few times, you certainly get the hang of it. That's the same with podcasting. I guess it's the same with writing articles. You start getting better and better at it. Um, but this comes back down to the concept of having a system and a, pro- and a process in place so that that's done on a regular basis and, and at regular time and a, a regular schedule to do it and you know post it in the right spots. I love what you also said about just doing these videos for your existing clients. Because if you, if you do, again, this comes back down to your, your avatar, your ideal client, your, your, who you help most, you just do it for that one client. And, um, and guess what? You end up with uh, them sharing it with their, with their friends that are just like them. A lot of it, though, is, is the positioning piece. Because we talked earlier, as an advisor, you need to position yourself as the go-to expert. And, and video is brilliant for positioning you as the go-to for your current clients and your other clients. So when you can really do that well... The result is you get more clients, funnily enough, and not just more random clients, but more of the right clients, you know, that you're actually looking to looking to go after. But I suppose one thing I do want to say is a lot of what we're talking about here, it's not dependent on you producing a huge amount of content. I find that a lot of advisors get a bit fearful about that. They're like, well, I haven't got time to write an article a week or produce a video every single week. You don't need to do that. To get started with a, a good quality LinkedIn campaign, you need one, maybe two good articles that resonate with your audience. You can always develop that or start doing more or do more video as things go down the track. But your, your campaign is not dependent dependent on that that's important yeah this is a really interesting point as well and um they they just do, do a few good articles now when it comes to video and i just want to pick on video for a little bit longer um i get a lot of commentary around the length of a video people say it can't be longer than this and it can't be longer than that but i know your videos it can, can be quite long <laughs> yeah well i I don't really consider the length of the video to be, uh, you know, to be the key, but I have some videos that are 60 seconds long. I have some videos that are an hour long. Now, um, I think if your content is good and it resonates well with your audience, I think they will listen. Like, so, so the example I gave you of the advisor a few minutes ago, so when he was sending uh, some of the videos to his current clients, some of his videos were 30 minutes long but they still consumed them because his content was good. What he was saying was good and it, it resonated with the audience. As long as you go in thinking, all right, what are the problems and challenges my audience have? What questions have they got rattling around the back of their head? Can I address one or multiple of those questions in this video? Well, then whether it takes you two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes or, or an hour isn't really that important. Yep. And just lastly, while we're on video, can we just touch on the authenticity piece around, you know, uh, advisors, being worried about how they look on video? But partly it's being worried how they look. Secondly, it's also about their perfectionist streak because a lot of people have perfectionist streaks so they're worried that they might look sound or come across in a, in a way that they'll be judged by their peers and so on. And the funniest thing, and it's the same with podcasts, and the funniest thing is when you do your first initial videos, be honest with you, not a lot of people are going to watch them, you know, like, and that includes your friends and family or anybody else in your industry who you might feel judged by that they're not even going to watch them. So don't, don't worry about it. So you can trip over your shoes. And and I think the key is kind of not to be afraid of that. Be prepared to trip over your shoes and get better. And as you get better and you improve and so on, you'll get better. Your production style will get better. You might get a, maybe a tripod or a better camera or a better, or better audio. And it, it just gets better, you know, and as, 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 as it starts to get better, then more people start to pay a bit of attention and, and your content delivery will get better as well. Yeah, fantastic. Now, a big part of the uh, the course and the, um, the accelerator is the idea around um, the campaigns themselves. So can we just touch on what you mean by campaign? 
Yeah, so we talked a bit about sort of the strategy, the reach, the positioning, the system, and so on. So, so let's get a little bit more tactical, get into the weeds a, a, a little bit. So the first step of anything that you're going to do on LinkedIn is going to be about optimizing your LinkedIn profile. If you're going to run any form of a campaign on LinkedIn, you need to have a good quality LinkedIn profile. People always say, but I have a wonderful website. Everybody's going to go to my website. No, they're not going to go to their website because if they're on LinkedIn, you're asking them to go off LinkedIn and then come back. And they're not going to do that. They're just going to have a quick flick of your LinkedIn profile. They're going to give you between three and six seconds of their time. And in that, they're going to make a snap decision as to whether they want to you know, delve in a bit more or continue the conversation or even connect with you uh, or not. Okay. And you know, that, that your profile has to work. That's why I gave you earlier the, the, the formula, the headline formula, I help X with Y using Z. That's just a way of kind of getting the right people attention because you're calling out who you want to speak to so in the example you know doctors in new south wales if you're a doctor in new south wales and you go to someone's profile that specifically says that they help doctors in new south wales you're probably going to pay a bit more of attention you know and that's that's the key you know so you're excluding certain amount of people and you're including a certain amount of people but for me the linkedin profile it has to do a lot of heavy lifting it has to be about the problems and challenges of your audience it absolutely has to be much more about them and much less about you. Okay. So, so as I said, nobody cares what you were doing 10 years ago, make it about them and earn the right to be able to talk a bit more about your solutions and your problems and challenges. Step one, profile, get the profile right, get it well optimized. Step two is obviously drill down to your ideal audience. Um, we talked a bit about that earlier, uh, who your audience should be. Step three then would be to then connect with people who were in that target audience to send a certain volume of, of connection uh, requests. And once they connect, you want to then have a follow-up messaging sequence, normally three or four messages that you would drip out over a period of about two weeks. Okay. Now, again, as we said earlier, there's lots of people who do LinkedIn badly and they do spammy and sell, 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 sell. That's not what the goal of the messaging sequence is. The goal is to add value and build relationship. And as we said earlier, position yourself as the expert. How do you do that? You do that by sharing good quality content. Here's an article I put together recently for doctors in New South Wales. I thought you might find it useful. Let me know what you think. That's not sales. That's adding value. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how you position yourself as the expert. And that's what kind of brings people's guard down a little bit. Otherwise, people are very guarded. Yep. Fantastic. And you mentioned um, uh, sort of three to four over two weeks. Not, not big, long spiels, yeah? No, not at all. Bear in mind that messaging on LinkedIn, a lot of the time people will actually see those messages come up almost like a text message on their phone. So therefore, if it's a big, long spiel, you know, when you get a really long text message, you're like, Jesus, what is this? You know, like, it's not email you're talking about here. This is messaging. Okay, so it's got to be short. It's got to be sharp. It's got to add value. And if it gets into a bit more detail, like if the back and forth of the conversation becomes, okay, I've got these four pensions. I don't know how to deal with it. Or I'm trying to extract this cash out of my business. Or how do I reduce my tax bill to do it? If it gets into those kind of conversations, then it becomes, I'll tell you what, let's schedule up a 15-minute discovery call. Uh, let's have a chat about it, you know, and, and uh, we can take it from there you know so you're not going to have that conversation over messaging the goal overall of the campaign is to start a warm conversation with the client with a view to getting them onto a call with you and we would kind of advocate what i call a 15-minute discovery call and the discovery call really is about seeing if there's a good fit between you so um 
are they the right type of client and in the right kind of sector? Do they have the right kind of uh, asset size that you're that you're looking for? Do you like them as a potential client? Because if you're if you're going to be a planner, you're going to work with them potentially over years. You know, so there has to be a little bit of a fit. But equally, they have to obviously kind of like you. So that's what the discovery call is for. See if there's a good fit, and if there is, if you guys are on the same page, then you take them forward for a face-to-face or obviously these days a more detailed Zoom call. And that kind of two steps or a 15-minute call to more detailed call, we've tested about 10 different versions of that and that tends to convert the best. Yeah, fantastic. So obviously uh, the, the, a small amount of effort from each of the messengers, uh, the messages. Um, so I'm thinking you click on the article, which is still on LinkedIn or are you taking yeah, them back yeah, to your website? Yeah. And, uh, and the 15-minute call, you really want to make sure you've got your electronic system in place so that all they've got to do is click and add something to your diary. It's not about um, making your time and coming backwards and forth. Well, it could be. It depends on the advisory practice. A lot of advisors don't use online calendar booking systems for some reason. I don't know why, but they should. You know, there's lots of very good uh, sort of CRMs uh, and so on that are provided for advisors these days that you should be using. But I mean, this is where maybe getting an admin involved and the admin can do some of the back and forward in organizing the calendar and the advisor then can do the call. So it's just good use of your time. But yes, an online booking system would make it a little bit easier. Yeah, I agree. As, as simple as possible and as, as less steps that have to uh, people drop out on. Well, no, you're right, because so, so I, I call that friction. So if there's, if there's anything within the process which adds friction, like an extra step or something that somebody has to do, uh, you're going to get dropout. And if you get dropout, it's going to reduce your conversion. So the, the smoother you can make that process, the less friction in the process, then the more conversions you're going to have, which is why a good quality CRM system or a good quality onboarding system or a good quality calendar booking system these days, they're inexpensive, they're relatively easy to use, even for someone who's technically not that savvy, but it just makes a lot of sense. Because if you think about it from the point of view of the prospect, it makes their life easier. And anything that makes their life easier increases your conversion. Fantastic. Well said. Thank you, Paul, for coming on and teaching uh, advisors how to build, launch and scale uh, using LinkedIn uh, specifically. So uh, really appreciate your time and, uh, and sharing all of your knowledge and experience. If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, they can look me up at LinkedIn. Just send me a connection request. Obviously, I'm fairly uh, fairly active on there, as you can imagine. Uh, you can check out our website, uh, advisoraccelerator.com. That's advisor with an E, advisoraccelerator.com. We've got lots of videos and resources and testimonials and so on on there that they can uh, they can check out. And you know, if they want to kind of book a call, we have an automated system, funnily enough, that you can book a call through uh, to chat with me, uh, me and the team, and uh, we can take things from there. Fantastic. Yes, you do have to explain that as an advisor with an E when you run a global business, I suppose, don't you? Absolutely, because it's with an E versus with an O, depending on which part of the uh, which part of the world you're in. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, use, we use them interchangeably, funnily enough. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and of course, uh, we use the Queen's English, so we use advisor with an E. So fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Really appreciate your time. Excellent. Thanks, Fraser. Really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. G'day, Emily. Hey, Fraser. Hey, hey, hey. It's time. It's time up. That time of the week, we just start doing some awesome shout outs. I love that time of the week. All right, let's give a shout out to XY Advisor Michael Miller for no other reason than the fact that he is a top contributor. Well, there's multiple reasons, but the main one is that he's been such a phenomenal contributor 
on the platform recently. He is constantly in there answering people's questions and particularly the real technical ones, like stuff relating to the Corpse Act, um, anything taxation-wise. He is the technical ninja and is super generous with the answers he gives people. So when advisors are looking for highly valuable, responsive answers to those technical questions, X, Y is where they're getting those. So thank you, Michael. Total legend. Really appreciate the effort that you're putting into uh, supporting industry peers. Fantastic. Good on you, Michael. And uh, Emily's given you the, the nickname uh, Technical Ninja, so I'm pretty sure that might stick. So if you know Michael, uh, send him a little message and just say, hey, Technical Ninja, we heard a shout out about you. 